Right now, Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last, or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. We've got wall-to-wall Premier League football with games being played nearly every day and with the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch all the games live, with Bet365 Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello, welcome back to 1874, the podcast that brings you the definitive word on Aston Villa Football Club every single week. And this is not a drill. Greg, we're actually going to do a podcast where Villa have won a game. <laughs> it's about time, isn't it? Unreal. I, I, genuinely, I genuinely can't remember the last time we, we, that we did one of these. It was, it was February, wasn't it? I think it was January. late January. January. I think it might yeah. have been late January. I mean, I think we've only done about three podcasts where we've won through through the uh, through the time we've been doing this anyway. So it is a really, really a rare occasion. I've obviously ended up getting off my off my chair today, which is unbelievable scenes in in the Bardell Lounge. And what was it like being there for a win? It was great. Yeah, um, I have to admit, when I was walking into Villa Park, it was kind. Of, I had one of those moments again where I just thought, "This is just so." Not right, not having any fans there. It, was, it just yeah. felt like, because I have to admit, I was going into the game thinking that, well, if Villa lose today, then it's all over. And and I was just thinking of all the different sort of permutations of, um, you know, what a win would bring and what might happen if they were to lose. And I just, I just stopped and thought for a moment. I just thought, what would it be like if the if the fans were in here? You know, they would they pull the players over the line and just. Uh, give them that extra percent that they need to get a win, or would they really get into them and boo them even, and maybe even call for Dean Smith's head if um, if if the uh, if the defeat followed? And just all those thoughts were going through my head when I, when I was walking into the ground, and it was um, just uh, just just an, another strange day, but it, it ultimately a good one because great to finally um, witness a win after 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 the restart. And I, I saw a different side to Villa today. I, th- I saw a real togetherness. Um, a team that actually wanted to win and, and and were working hard for each other and the celebrations towards the end to be honest were, were quite muted really it was just like a few of the players looked genuinely tired they dropped to the floor and sort of thought well that's that's one job done um you know but it, it means absolutely nothing if they don't go and win on Thursday yeah I mean it's been a long time coming the relief in the for the players which must be absolutely palpable because as we say I mean we've not done many podcasts where Villa have won full stop but they'll have forgotten what that winning feeling felt like and it'll, it'll be a relief but as you say they've got to go on and do something Thursday I guess an encouraging aspect is that they've played a side really in Everton that similar to Crystal Palace look look a bit like they're on the holidays waiting for the season to end because that's not Although Villa have won, we can't dress it up. Palace are a, were a poor outfit today. I think that's their fourth or fifth defeat in a row. And Everton have been tonked today. So it is a chance for us to go against another team that haven't really got anything on the line and try and get something. Yeah, it just feels like the fixtures previously, Villa have been coming up against teams that um, you know are just really tough and chasing for things. Obviously, Liverpool were the champions. Man United are chasing Champions League. Wolves were previously. Sheffield United, even when they returned from the restart. Um, every Pretty much every game Villa have played are against a team that are still desperately needing something as well. So... Um, Dean Smith has been saying for a long time, you know, that these are the games that he's been looking at anyway. Um, yeah, they got the result today against a team that looked very poor, admittedly. Uh, they have lost five on the bounce now. Um, and, you know, let, let's hope they can take this confidence and that performance into the game on Thursday because they set a new standard today. They, they, they set a standard that 
um, if they'd have achieved that standard throughout the season, they probably would be out at the bottom three now. So Dean Smith said after the game, um, he addressed his players before and, and he said, look, this is this is like our, our the first leg of our semi-final. If we win this one, we go into the next leg of the semi-final, which is Everton. And then we've got the final, which is against Arsenal. And he believes that three wins will be enough. They're you know, a third of the way there after today. So... Um, it was starting to look very bleak. I was starting to get very worried for Villa. Um, I have to admit, I was I'd almost written them off yesterday when West Ham and Watford both won. But they've just just given them a lifeline now, and you know the show goes on for a little bit longer. Premier League football is back underway, and right now we're offering a 30-day free trial to the Athletic for a limited time only. Go to theathletic.com/villapod to sign up and try our great content up until the end of the season. It's the best place to follow all the latest on the Villa as we battle against the drop. You'll also have access to some of the best football writers in the business, such as Daniel Taylor, Oliver Kay, and Amy Lawrence. And you can access our whole network of podcasts ad-free. So go to theathletic.com/villapod to try us out. Well, for once, VAR gave us a little bit of a lifeline as well, Greg. Ten, ten minutes in, I think I think it was in the first ten minutes anyway. Pretty soft disallowed goal, I would say. If it was going to get disallowed for anything, I'd have gone with foul, foul on the goalkeeper. But for it to be disallowed for, for handball, I mean, we've been on the wrong end of these handball decisions as well. But it, it did feel particularly soft watching it too, though. Yeah, I mean, the the one actual benefit of watching it on the TV, obviously I was at the game, so um, the benefit of watching it on the TV is that you get to see all the replays and what's actually been watched by VAR. You don't see that in the ground, as you'll obviously remember, Dan, from... Um, I can't you know, believe they haven't <laughs> sorted that out. How have they not sorted no, that out? No, so, I mean, you basically just get told in the ground what they're checking. So it was, they were checking for a handball. Um, where I'm positioned in the press box, it, it, it was hard to obviously see where that handball was because it's up in the hole and it's quite far away. I can just see Sacco look like a decent header and, and, and obviously scoring the goal. And um, we were just kind of just waiting, you know, in the press box to see what, what had happened. And I just kind of feel with Villa though, it's like whenever it goes to VAR, I think it's going to go against them. Um, oh, yeah, so it, 100%. it was good. It was good that finally something went in their favour, but that to even it up, didn't they, with the penalty? Yeah, John Moss sitting in the VAR today, I believe as well, which is which is very ironic, and that wasn't the end of the VAR as as, as we'll come on to. But Villa, we spoke about it the other week. How West Ham, when they played Chelsea, had a bit of adversity with the goal disallowed, and they they bounced back and went went for a, went for the win. Villa have had a decision go their way, and they've capitalised on it and scored a, a goal at a really good time, which again is very un-Villa like. We're going to be talking about a few things today that supporters won't feel familiar with because a few things happened today that felt very unvilla and that, that was one of them scoring right on half time. Fair play to Trezeguet as well because the last the last couple of games I thought he's he showed a bit more of, of what he's about, you know, it hasn't gone for him this this season. Um it's you know 35 35 games in and, and I've been waiting to write about him um and and you know haven't been able to yet, you know, it's been really nice actually to to able to just get some things down on, on my notepad about him today and um, d- done a big piece on him, which which will go out on Monday. So, uh, you know, look, look forward to people reading that and sharing some thoughts with me on that. Um, but yeah, the fact that I've had to wait 35 games to, to write anything positive about him is, is pretty, pretty damning, really. It sort of just explains how bad it's been for the season, but... Fair play to him. He was a fox in the box today. He got he got two goals um, in the right place at the right time. Um, and yeah, that that first goal was came at a brilliant time because there's nothing better really than just scoring just before half time. Because whatever Dean Smith had planned um, to say to his players, you know, it kind of goes out the window because 
he's he's now dealing with a positive and it's just a case of holding on it you know we asked him um what he said to the players at half time and he just said simply you're leading now you've got this to hold on to it's yours to to hold on to please just go and get the job done and to be fair to them you know they did um and I did another goal to it so you know that it, it, there's positive signs there look you know today it, it might only be baby steps we've just got to hope that this is the start of a resurgence it, it's no good just being a one-off win you know and then Villa go back to their old ways and lose again on Thursday this has to be the revival now um, and if, if you know if they can get another two wins then they're going to be in a really good chance of surviving yeah but trademark Trezor guy I would say at the back post I feel like he scored that goal a few times this season as we say hasn't really gone for him but he scored that goal through what feels like three or four times. You think of the Leicester yeah. Cup game. I think he scored one at Wolves at the back post. He's today scored one at the back post. Liverpool, he scored a similar goal. You know what I mean? He seems to have that in his yeah, locker. I remember March at the start of the well, season. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, they completely left him. At the start of the season, I did feel like there was, there was a player there and he, he'd get better. But I suppose confidence, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of... I've, I've criticised Trezor Gay in recent weeks. But once he got the goals today... He just you could see G'd up and he was buoyed and he was playing with a bit more freedom and Villa were playing with a bit more freedom being 2 0 up. It must be so difficult when you're behind all the time or things aren't going for you. But it did feel like there was a weight lifted from the players today, didn't it? Yeah, and we just just sticking on Trezeguet in particular, you know, I have noticed that he 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 works so hard, you know, he genuinely does. He tracks runners and, and he's chasing down three or four players at a time, doesn't always win the ball back and admittedly he's very sloppy in possession when he does get the ball he hasn't done enough but um there's there's a player there it just it's gonna it's just gonna take a bit of time whether it whether it'll be too late you know we don't know but I thought he did all right against Man United as well and obviously hit the post that could have been a, a slight turning point for him but he's on six goals now for the season five in the Premier League in 30 starts uh so, sorry 30 appearances which isn't really a, a bad record now you know that the, the figures are starting to top up a little bit Yes, they'll probably cloud um, his performances because they haven't been great. But Dean Smith, after the game, mentioned he said, well, look, you know, he was another one that came in very late in the day in terms of didn't really have much of a pre-season with the club um, and had to get settled into life in England straight away, just like Douglas Louise. And we've all seen how good Douglas Louise has been after the um, restart. So he might be another one that's a bit of a late bloomer at Villa and eventually flourishes and develops. But... Just think if Villa go down, then he's somebody that would probably look to move on anyway. There's a lot of interest in him in Turkey. So let's just hope it's not too late for him because he showed some positive signs today. Yeah, we suffered a little bit of a setback uh, pre-game, Greg, when Courtney Hawes did, did himself in the, in the warm-up and, and couldn't play the game. So Elmo's ended up coming in at right-back and concerts shuffled across to centre-half. But without being disrespectful to Courtney Hawes, like when, I, when I found that out, I was quite pleased because I felt like today might be, might be an Elmo game. I know that sounds stupid, but you know what I mean? Him and Connor came coming in today. I feel like that's their type of games, the games they should always be starting in because they're productive. You've got Elmo who always swings in a couple of good balls and Connor with his, de with his dead ball delivery. And they, they were two key players for us today, weren't they, Greg? Yeah, I thought both of them were, were, were exceptional today. I thought um, Al Mohammadi, I saw a slightly different side to him. Uh, obviously, when the fans are in, in the ground, you don't really hear the players talking and you don't hear what they're saying and how they're organising their teammates and sort of who's, you know, who, who, who ranks higher above others kind of thing. And I felt like I learnt quite a lot at, at the game today. Um, Al Mohammadi, everybody tells me, is a you know, reliable leader, somebody who... Um, you can basically always turn to and, and you know what you're going to get from him. 
the one thing I noticed from him was every time somebody screamed for him to pass him to pass the ball to them, he did. And then another thing I noticed was that um, right at the end in those last sort of five or ten minutes when Villa were really trying to cling on and just dig in deep and and keep Crystal Palace at back, he was like the chief organizer. He was pulling the defence um, into different positions. He was you know getting quite quite rough and tough with Zaha and not letting, not letting him have his own way. And I just thought, yeah, you know, now I can understand why so many managers rate you and why so many managers have played him regularly. Um, and that back line was very vocal towards the end. Pepe Reina, I thought, had probably his best game in a Villa shirt. Um, made a couple of decent saves. Yeah, it's important. And there was a couple of times where he really got stuck into some of the midfielders. I think there was an occasion where McGinn misplaced a pass and Rainer, you know, read read him the right act and, you know, McGinn sort of just put his hands up and was like, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, and I like to see that. I like to see that the, the team, the teammates, you know, really fighting for each other and just constructively criticising them if they've done something wrong. It, it just felt like, despite all the problems that have been at Villa over recent months um, and the season in general, I suppose, just felt like they had a good togetherness and a good team spirit there and... Just got to go again, as I keep saying, just got to hope that it, they take it into next week. Yeah, so this is what you're here for, Greg, because didn't come across that on the TV at all. It's something that you, that you don't see at all. So that's that's all really good insight. It felt today like it was a, a team display. So I would say like nearly every player was at a six or a seven out of 10 today. And it's a hell of a difference that than having just one player being at a nine and a few being at fours and fives. Do you know what I mean? It, it felt like they were all on it today and that they, they executed what the, what the manager manager wanted. I've said earlier on, Palace aren't great at all, but the, the team looked more together as you've, as you've touched on. And we just looked like we had a bit more about us, not, not a swagger. Cause I think it's very difficult to have a swagger when you sit in 18th, 19th in the league, but there was just a bit more about us today, Greg. Yeah, I thought that. Um, yeah, I agree totally. I thought, you know, Conor Horahan came in and and did a job in there. I thought he, some of his set piece deliveries were, were good. Um, gave him a bit of a presence going forward. You know, started to started to get involved in a lot of the attacks a lot more than he had previously. Um, and yeah, it just it just felt like a you know a general all round good performance. I suppose the only player who really didn't didn't do much was Samata. You know, I'm just starting to think, wonder like what is he now? You know, he doesn't had a great chance with his head, and that's what Villa signed him for. You know, he's he's fantastic hair, heading ability. Um, he's missed a couple of big chances now, and I, and I remember when he missed it, I thought, oh, hope hope that doesn't um, you know cost Villa today, but. Yeah, I think that I think that team that that sort of finished is probably the strongest team. Um, and yeah, I mean maybe look, give or take, maybe one player or, or two. I don't know. You don't know, but I think they're just lacking a, a good striker now. I think Grealish was good today, probably his best uh, performance since the restart. Crucially, won fouls, you know, in, in crucial important areas. And my colleague Tom Tom Warville wrote about him. Uh, recently just went through all of his fouls and th- th- this season and you know where he picks up the fouls why he gets the fouls and what Villa do with it I just thought Villa were a little bit more productive with the times that he was fouled today so that was a positive but yeah I just feel, feel like it was a good performance just maybe missing a, a real top quality striker to to maybe put some of the chances away yeah Samata looks very very low on confidence his, his body language Looks like Villa, Ben at Villa dragged him down a little bit, if, I, if I'm being perfectly honest. Just one, going back a little bit, we haven't really talked about the, the penalty incident. What, what did you make of that? Grealish was touched, wasn't he? What, he there was yeah. contact, but um, again, from where I'm sitting, it's it's up in the whole end. So when Van Aanholt 
clips into him. He looks like it's a penalty. Referee gives it straight away. And then obviously VAR decided it wasn't. It was quite a soft challenge, I think. And maybe Grealish has gone down a little bit too easy. But I suppose if you're in the box and you get touched, you know, you're going to go down, aren't you? Especially this time of um, the season when Villa are desperate for points. But yeah, it wasn't to be. But um, I thought Grealish won some, you know, important fouls elsewhere. It's what I like to call peak Villa, Greg, because... On Thursday, it was today wasn't dissimilar to the Fernandez penalty that got given on Thursday by, by John Moss, <laughs> who was refereeing. So John Moss gives that penalty on Thursday. VAR doesn't overturn it. The penalty goes in, so Villa, Villa get that punishment. Then after the game, the government governing body, sorry, comes out and says, "Oh, that that shouldn't have been given by VAR. That should have been overturned. That shouldn't have been a penalty." So then, pretty much the exact same thing happens. John Moss is in the VAR booth this weekend. He decides to overturn it, probably based on the fact that he was told he shouldn't have given a penalty on Thursday, which did get given. So Villa kind of get done over twice. It just feels like that is that is peak Villa, if ever I've heard it, isn't it? That's a good way to sum it up, actually. Yeah, yeah, you, you should know do what my I mean? job. <laughs> I should be the one asking you the questions. Feel free to take again. Feel free to take that for any article you want want to use, Greg. I'm, I'm trying to provide insight, but that just, honestly, that is like one of the most typical Villa things I've ever seen. It was just, I don't crazy. think it was a penalty yeah. for one minute. I'm not saying it was, but it just felt like the, every event that could, that transpired from Thursday to Sunday with penalties and, and that kind of incident was there to hurt Villa. It's just madness. Absolute <laughs> yeah. madness. The, the more I think about it, Dan, the more, I, I'm, the more I'm thinking I might use that actually, but only if Villa yeah. go down because when I get to the wrapping up the season at the end, um, you know, VAR is going to be a talking point. Obviously, the Crystal Palace game previously, you know, the reverse fixture. Oh, yeah. um, the fact that VAR, you know, didn't save Villa at a time when they should have, when Lansbury scored that goal. It's an area of the game that needs to get addressed, doesn't it? Because it was brought in to get the right, to get the big decisions right. And I just feel this season, over the course of the season, you know, in the Premier League, not just Villa games, in, um, just in general, a lot of big decisions have been wrong, haven't they? And it's just, it's not what VAR was introduced to do. Yeah, I'd, I'd advise that not much clarity has been added with the introduction of VAR, but I just think we're just not using it in the correct way in this country at all. But that's probably a subject for a different day. Before we finish, I think it would be remiss of me not to talk about this, but I just wanted to touch on what happened to Wilfred Zahar this morning. I think West Midlands Police have confirmed that a 12-year-old has, has been arrested for the, the vile abuse that Wilfred Zahar received on, on Instagram in, in his personal messages this morning. I just wanted to to get your thoughts on that, Greg, because it's it's a despicable act. The fact that it's a 12-year-old is makes it utterly unbelievable. It's no excuse at all. But I just wanted to get your thoughts, really, mate. Well, yeah, you know, pretty much what Roy Hodgson said, he's cowardly and despicable and, and completely unacceptable. You know, I, I have exactly the same thoughts as that. Um I, you know, not not really much else to say on the whole subject. I just think it's awful in this day and age that people still have to, um, you know, deal with that kind of thing. Hopefully, the authorities um, take the the relevant action. That it that it's a twelve year old boy makes no difference to me, really. No, and I think that says a lot about our society at the moment because a twelve year old boy sees grown men doing stuff like this on social media and it, and in, and in real life. To be fair, as well, and that they think they can get away with it. Twelve year old probably doesn't know the consequences, but You'd be damn sure he knows the consequences now, having been arrested. And I felt sorry for Zaha, to be honest, because obviously it's a horrible thing to happen to anyone and a horrible thing to happen to Wilfred Zaha to, to wake up to that. But I thought when there was that flashpoint in the game where we had, we had a bit of a tussle with Mings and Conter and I, there was a load of frustration on his face. And I don't know, because I don't, I, obviously no, I'm not Wilfred Zaha, but you feel like he's probably taken, he's in, not in the best place to be playing a football match 
after that and millions of people watching him and he's probably so frustrated and so upset and I feel like he kind of contributed to, to that that ish, that incident a little bit and if Sahara had scored against Villa today you know what I'd have just said fair play to him what a guy because he shouldn't have to be dealing with st stuff like that in 2020 and I hope that the world can become a better place because at the moment it's a horrible place to live yeah no it is totally look you know the, my feelings are clear on the whole situation it's it's you know completely unacceptable it's awful um, and fair play to Zaha for you know sort of trying to put a brave face on and, and just getting on with his daily job but yeah okay it's a very highly paid job and everybody would love to be a footballer but at the end of the day he still is there at work having to do um, what he has to do for his employer so I thought Villa sort of handled him quite well I thought Al Mohamed did well on him in the second half yeah. Um, Mings and Konza between them sort of had a little bit of a go at him at times. Uh, probably a little bit naughty, wasn't he, to clip Konza? I haven't seen it back, but it looked like he just knocked him over and that's what sparked the the um, scuffle with him and Mings, was it? Konza kind of fell over his own feet a little bit looking at it back oh, on the okay. replay. But Zaha, he cut a frustrated figure all day. I mean, it probably doesn't help that he's playing on the side that, that didn't play very well and doesn't give him the... <laughs> yeah. The best, the best place to showcase his talents, in all fairness, because he is a very, very good footballer. But yeah, just we, everyone at the Athletic obviously sends Zaha their best. And Greg, I think that probably wraps us up. I can actually genuinely say it's been a pleasure to talk to you because we're talking <laughs> about a Villa win and it's something you, we've not actually. done. Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it. Not, not often I enjoy media after the game at, at, in, uh, <laughs> in the recent times, but today I can genuinely say I've enjoyed it and I hope that we're chatting on Thursday and we're enjoying it again. But Cheers for coming on, mate. Always good to talk to you. Nice one. Cheers, Dan. Mm -hmm.